0: Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy.
1: Awesome. To kind of get started, um, can you tell me your well, tell our audience, tell me your name, your role, um, and what company you work for? Yes,
0: my name is Devin Bramhall. I'm the CEO of Animals.
1: Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your day-to-day and your role as a CEO.
0: That's an excellent question. It changes frequently. Uh, so I became a CEO in March of 2020. And so I would say my experience leading a company is one, just new to me. This is my first time running a company. And two, it's I don't have anything to compare it to, but I understand that what has gone on in the past year and a half is unusual. So I think that the theme of my role last year was damage control. (laughs) Um, Just really trying to support the team through uncharted waters where no one knew what to expect. There was a lot of fear particularly in the beginning about people's job security, um, et cetera. And then just, you know, lots of stuff happening out in the world. I think the team really looked to me to be a rock and to be someone that, uh, both acknowledged what happened openly and was able to be vulnerable about it and admit that I didn't have all the answers, admit that it was hard. Um, so, you know, Last year, it was like stand up and be a leader and take ownership and responsibility for everything that happened. 2021 has been vastly different. I tried applying the same strategy this year and the team did not appreciate it as much as they did last year. I think what people wanted this year was more agency. They wanted to be brought into the decision-making process. They wanted to be Uh, agents of change within the company. And so it took a little bit to realize that, that like me being a mama bear wasn't what they wanted and actually sort of somewhat alienated me from the team a little bit. So, uh, you know, we've been working on revising our org structure and our operating the way we operate such that the team is really owning their, taking ownership of their individual uh, spaces, which means that my role is starting to evolve again. And I think when I imagine the future of my role, I will be thinking more about how we grow animals, not just in our core product, but expand into new products and evangelize our philosophy out in the world.
1: I love it. There's a lot to unpack there, but going back to when you said becoming a C the CEO of animals in March of 2020, which we all know is probably one of the most chaotic um, and probably stressful and fear inducing months that many of us have ever had. Can you like walk me through a little bit about how you were able to manage that? Like you're in this brand new role that you haven't been in before um, and kind of the world around us is completely changing at kind of the the start of the pandemic. Can you talk me through a little bit more of like your mindset back then and how you were able to kind of come out of that in a way that, you know, really united um, the team? Yes. (laughs)
0: My, my mindset (laughs) uh, was probably as somewhat as chaotic as the, the world outside. But look, one of the benefits that I had was that I knew it was coming. So Walter, our founder and former CEO made his intentions clear in October of 2019 around, you know, changing leadership at animals, Um, and taking some of the team to build new companies. So I had been preparing to be CEO for months and it was really, you know, what I remember is that I I saw, once I realized what was happening, I went to Walter and I said, look, man, (laughs) the team's going to need a face for this. uh, And I think that person has to be me. If it's going to be me in the future, it's got to be me now. Um, we've got to make this change sooner. So I was supposed to officially take over in September of last year, but we moved it up by a lot, merely because you know the team needed to know who they could count on um, throughout. So, and I would say behind the scenes, Walter and uh, Jimmy, who now started Superpath, and Haley, our current COO, like, and Andrew, who's our head of R and D, the whole team really, like, the leadership team at the time, really banded together to uh, get the company through a very difficult time. I mean, between March and April, uh, we lost, I think, 100K in MRR, and that was unprecedented for us. So, uh, you know, things were chaotic outside, but what was cool is that on on the inside, we were unified, not just in keeping the company afloat, but in what our goals were. And I remember Walter looking at me and saying, look, I don't want to lay anybody off. <laughs> and Haley and I were like, we don't either. <laughs> like it's, you know, it was nice to see that outgoing leadership and incoming leadership were all really aligned in what our objective was, which is like keep the company whole. And that's what we did. And, and you know, Walter's always been, you know, he's a fire starter. That's how I describe him is like he's an instigator. He he likes to start things um and then he's smart enough to hire people who like to run things so you know he hired me and Haley and we said okay yeah let's give us give us the reins we want to take over um and so you know his startup mindset is really part of what helped us manage a very complicated time jimmy oh, oh god he was jimmy jimmy and haley and i worked together for the first 3 2 or so years and same with him is like we all just got in and got our hands dirty and did whatever it took Um, I remember I got, I was getting on the phone with customers. Um, We were right. It was a time when I was writing a memo every single week to the team, just showing them the numbers, talking about what was going on, like giving them as much information as possible so that they, you know, didn't have to worry or guess. And, you know, after the first couple of weeks, it turned out we were very lucky tech ended up doing well last year. So we did well. So like we ended up having a really good year, but in those early days, it was really about coming together, having a shared objective, and then just running like hell at it, <laughs> uh, and communicating a lot to the team and with each other.
1: Absolutely, and you mentioned communication, and I think you mentioned writing a, a weekly um, memo to the team at the beginning, kind of at the start of the pandemic, and when you kind of first lit, and which corresponded to when you first um, kind of stepped into the CEO role. Can you tell me a little bit more about your approach to communication, like? Or do you lean more towards async versus synchronous communication and, or like, how do you decide when to do one or the other?
0: Wow. That's a great, the, the when question is a great question. Um, I would say the, an, my answer to that is be consistently like be present in how the team is reacting to whatever communication you're currently deploying, because my observation is that what the team wanted changed dramatically. Um, And so I, you know, I don't ever call an approach done or forever. I mean, we've even changed the format of our all hands as the team has grown in the past year because the size of the team is different and what the team wants is different. So I think it's more about asking for feedback a lot and understanding what the team wants Uh, so that that will help you decide your approach, both in how often to communicate, what specifically you are communicating, um, what format you're communicating in. One example I can offer is, you know, we do a monthly all hands to whole company meeting. And then we do an accompanying written update that goes deep into each department. And, you know, we got feedback as simple as, hey, I really wish there was like a TLDR at the beginning of every section. I prefer to scan and then decide what I want to go deep on. Another piece of feedback that we have uh, executed was, you know, we'd love a linkable table of contents at the beginning of the written update. Um, you know, some, you know, uh, teammates really loved the, um, the getting to know you portion of the all hands meet- meeting meeting. Um, but not everyone loved the promotion. so like we you know so like just asking people what they want is like a brilliant strategy to giving people what they want. And so uh, last year I sort of spent more time predicting this year I spent more time asking and then experimenting and then asking again to see what works and then just knowing that it's probably gonna change as the company um, grows. With regards to what we shared during crisis, um, I would say like, we focused really my and this is sort of my general philosophy is like be as transparent as possible. Um the unfortunate reality is that I am not allowed to be perfectly transparent. Um it's one of the most challenging parts of my job, which is like I can share some information, but some information require, you know, were I to share it all, would require, for example, giving private information about, about an employee, or maybe it would cause more confusion if I shared it in progress versus sharing it once we've already figured out what we're going to do about something. So, um, you know, wherever possible, we try to be transparent about the process with as many people as possible, but the reality is also that you can't. And so we're, you know, we're constantly trying and experimenting, um, with what we communicate and when, and to who, to see what works.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, And it sounds like you've been able to get some like really, really great and also constructive feedback from the team. And I know a lot of remote managers really struggle with being able to like figure out how to like have their team feel comfortable to give not only positive feedback, but also constructive and candid things and candid things. And it sounds like that might not be as much of an issue at animals. So like, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how do you like facilitate and make it okay for your, for team members to feel like they can bring their, bring their whole selves and actually be offering feedback that might be a little more critical.
0: Yep. The, the most important thing I believe is how you respond to the feedback that's given. So it's really easy to discourage someone from sharing their ideas. If, for example, you judge the idea shared or you make them feel a bad feeling about sharing it, whether you make them feel stupid or you make them feel, you know, whatever. Like, uh, so your reaction is really important. And I think sort of a yes and response is is really helpful in that case. Like, you know, say you don't agree with a piece of feedback someone gave that's a really good opportunity to ask them probing questions, um, to dig deeper into their suggestion, to understand why they suggested it. You might disagree with it merely because you don't fully understand it. Um, and so I think, you know, us as leaders, like we have to understand that we're not put here because we know everything. That's that's not it. I didn't become CEO of a company because I like was more brilliant than everyone else in the world. Um, and so if you can kind of embrace that and use your lack of understanding as an opportunity to ask questions and get curious. I think what that does is encourage people, make them feel like their time investing in you was worth it. Right. When you ask your team to spend time to help you with something and your first reaction say, is to like, shut it down or, um, you know, just say, you know, okay, thanks. And don't follow up. Like that doesn't feel good. So, um, I don't think we're perfect at it, but our intent is to try to circle back as much as possible. So like we do um, quarterly, well, sorry, we were doing uh, engagement surveys every two months. And like, we always would follow up with a video and summarize the the feedback and then talk about exactly what we're going to take action on and then follow up in the next one. We moved them to quarterly because we realized the size it was (laughs) <laughs> we couldn't take action that quickly, um, but we communicated that with the team. Um, you know, I do um, I do a weekly office hours where the team has this place where they can submit anonymous questions and then I have to answer them in front of the team um, so that it's just an opportunity. So people can put their name to a question, but like if they want to ask something really hard, they have an opportunity to do that. In some of those instances, people give feedback, right? And so I have an opportunity to like, Explore it more deeply, even if I don't know who offered it, um, and show that like I'm honoring these ideas. I'm interested in them. I want to hear about them. Um, so I think that's probably most important. And I would say that the last thing is just asking, creating a habit of asking for feedback. I think again, last year, like it was just ugh, it's so funny to see it now. But like last year was all about like being a very typical leader, like being someone who's like, I've got this, I'm up here and I'm going to take care of everything. And this year is really all about asking and finding different ways for people to contribute ideas. So I think like if you're frequently asking for feedback and showing people that we are a culture of people who ask and then listen, even if we don't execute on it um, and honor those ideas and respond positively, I think that you can create that culture uh, fundamentally.
1: I love, I love that. And from everything that I've seen about animals as culture on the outside, um, it's like extremely diverse and inclusive compared to let's say 95% of all agencies. I'm guessing that was not by accident. Um, can you kind of walk me through a little bit more about what has been your process like for like kind of building the, t- of like, you know, when it comes to hiring and onboarding new people as an ensuring that you really do create that inclusive environment.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't, I appreciate you saying that. I would say, I would like to acknowledge a few things. One, we made diversity, uh, and inclusion, a company goal this year. So like, you know, if you don't focus on it, nothing's ever going to happen. And so like we made, um, because we made a top level company goal, our people ops team made some big changes into the way we hire to um, increase the brilliance of our uh, hiring pipeline. Um, brilliance is one of our values. Um, and it's just sort of our belief that content marketing, if it's run by a bunch of white people, is never going to be its best. And we need lots of different perspectives in order to make content marketing um, as brilliant as, it's, as it can be. So you know, I would say we made some fundamental changes to our hiring process, um, to our interviewing process that has helped us become better. I don't, I don't know, honestly, how we stack up next to other agencies. I would say we're at the beginning of our journey, not at a place where I'm like really ready to take a whole lot of credit aside from acknowledging the efforts that we're making this year. We also launched something, um, we launched a new thing here this year called committees. And it's sort of like a space designed for the team to contribute into particular, like specific areas of the business. And the first committee we launched um, was a DEI committee, but it's, I mean, honestly, it's been going slowly, like, you know, trying to do it quote unquote, right. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about how we're going to execute each meeting and like how the best way to go about things. And so like, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm proud of our efforts, but I still feel like it's going, it's like we're moving slow, which is also fine because I'd rather go slow than do it wrong because if we do it wrong, then folks might be discouraged from you know participating, period. So um, I think the most impactful thing that we did was commit to DEI as like put specific DEI goals on our, at the company level, because nothing's going to happen if leadership doesn't embrace it. Like I have been leading all of our DEI meetings. Um, the team needs to see that I'm behind this and that I'm willing to put in the work and make time for it. Otherwise it's dead in the water. So like, I think to be honest, like a lot of the fundamental stuff around DEI is actually quite simple. It's like leadership participate, put your weight behind it, put money behind it. You know, one thing that we were, another thing we were going to do in heaven is like, we were going to do a internship um, a di internship and we weren't able to do it. Like this year ended up like things with a team, we need to fix some stuff on the team. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, I don't think we really want to, I don't, we don't think this is a good environment yet to bring an intern into. We pushed it off to next year, um, which is like kind of a bummer. So it's like, I, I appreciate what it looks like on the outside. I would say, you know, we're, we're just at the beginning of our journey. And like, I I don't think we're ready for credit. I think it's just like, let's talk about the specific stuff that we're doing and hopefully that's helpful for other people. Um, But I'm certainly not standing in line for any awards um, aside from I'm proud of what the team has contributed so far.
1: Um, That's like such a humble answer (laughs) and kind of diving a little bit deeper into that. Like you mentioned making some changes to the hiring and, hiring process. can you maybe elaborate or share an example of one or two of the changes that you've made that kind of really helped kind of set that found, starting to kind of set that foundation?
0: Yeah, in place? yeah. so um, we made changes to the job descriptions. I think that was the biggest thing. Um, there were certain things and I honestly can't remember what they are at this time. Um, Nicole Nesman, our VP of People Ops, really led the charge here. Um, and could probably tell you everything in great detail off the top of her head. Uh, <laughs> she is off getting married right now, which I'm so happy about. but but I, I do recall the first thing was the um, the job description. Another is in, uh, I believe in some of our interview questions or how the interview is structured. So uh, but, you know, the the first block, oh, and it's also where we source, I apologize. So, you know what? Recently, where do we go to find candidates? And I think one of the nice, one of the benefits of the past of last year um, is that I think there's more resources available for finding candidates. There's a lot of white people in content marketing. I don't know if that's PC to say or not, but like it's if you go to the traditional channels, like you're gonna find the same. So it's like there's other places now where we can source candidates from other backgrounds um, that's helped us. It's like diversify the pipeline, make the JD um, inclusive of multiple people from multiple backgrounds so that they, once they get here, they actually feel welcome and like, you know, they could see themselves here. Uh, That helps a lot. And then I think there's some stuff on the interviewing side, but I don't remember what that is.
1: Absolutely. Um, Shifting gears just a tiny bit, going back to 2020, and it sounds like you went in kind of a short, but very critical time of being a little bit more in survivor mo- mode to then suddenly thriving and scaling. How did you kind of manage the team dynamics of like shifting from that beginning to now in 2021, where it's definitely more about scale? And how do you ensure that team members feel like included in part of that journey?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I made a lot of mistakes. Uh <laughs> that's how I would characterize probably the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021. I mean, look, <laughs> I remember looking at Haley, Haley and I, like we got to animals at the same time we've grown this company together. Like it's been the two of us in the rabbit hole for years. So like, you know, I remember looking at her at some point either the end of last year, or the beginning of this year and saying like, I wonder what the lesson is. Like, I wonder what the big thing is going to be. Cause I couldn't see it yet. You know, like Biden was becoming president, like we had that crazy insurrection. Like there was a lot of like, the year started off much like 2020 ended. And so it was hard to see like what was going to happen. Um, so I think like, first and foremost, my, I made a mistake in thinking and executing um, the same way we've been executing all along and going from 50 to hundred people. Again, I learned this after the fact but apparently that is a time when like every system and culture thing that you put in place breaks and you have to go back to the drawing board. I did not know that in the process. So I continued on with our process and uh, as, you know, that we used to get 250 people and that very quickly stopped working. Um, and so what we did was kind of a lot of the stuff that I've already talked about uh, to sort of help not just main. Maintain maintain the culture principles that we had when we were small. So asking for more feedback and then implementing that feedback, right? So, you know, um, asking people about like workload and then changing to a different workload model, uh, changing the structure of the org to add, to create more focus for each role type, changing our role descriptions, changing the way the all hands is um, executed Adding office hours, um, adding different channels and Slack so people have different, can communicate with each other around different topic areas, some of them around like mental health, some of them around like, you know, crafts and such. We've also added more. um, I think we do a, 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 is it every week or every other week, a craft corner where people can just like hang out with each other? You know, when you're 100 people, it's harder to, make friends. I think, you know, you're, you're, it seems counterintuitive because there's so many more people to be friends with, but there's less, you know, when there was 20 people, everyone knew each other. Now I don't even know everybody the second they come in. Right. Um, so I would say the theme of all of it is finding unscalable things we can do to make the org feel small and more personal. Um, Oh, duh. And the other big thing we did was implement an L&D department, so a learning and development department. Cassie, who started as a content manager, helped pioneer the strategist role that we have here, um, and then uh, came into L&D, she's tasked with looking at you know sort of micro aspects of the organization and seeing where improvements need to be made and then focusing really hard on them. So, for example, she looked at the first three months of a new content manager's Um, time here and realize like, oh, they're really struggling. So she created a whole program for the one to three month folks. Now they're the most engaged people at the company, right? Um, So again, kind of like implementing roles and processes that can help a a growing company that's getting bigger uh, still have attention to detail, still cater to individuals and create those sort of like you know, smaller community experiences.
1: Yeah, I love that. And you mentioned something that was really interesting, which is doing things that, you know, maybe don't seem scalable, but you guys have found ways to make that happen. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about just in your specific instance, given the fact of how the team has grown, like what are some things that you do to make sure that you are, are you doing to like make sure that, you know, the newest team members actually, You know, you actually know them by name, for example.
0: Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you something I did that worked for, that worked and didn't work at the same time. So earlier, I would say around March of this year, 2021, I real, I looked around and realized I didn't know anyone. You know, I didn't know this whole cohort of people who had joined. And previously my role in onboarding was to deliver the values presentation, which is logical. But again, I had this problem where I don't know anyone. (laughs) So I had an idea, and it was that to meet once a month with every new hire for their first three months. And the thought behind that was like, you know, they meet the CEO in this values presentation, but they don't really get to know me. I don't get to know them. You know, what if I were, you know, let's deliver this personalized experience where they can get to know me and feel you know, not just like they've met me and seen my face and heard my voice, but like we develop a relationship through multiple conversations. So we started doing it and (laughs) it was exhausting. Like there were weeks where I had so many calls on my calendar between just my regular calls and these new hire calls that I was, I practically, it was all I, it felt like that was all I did. Um, because again, these are new hires. Like I'm not just getting on the phone. Like I go look at their onboarding survey. I'm trying to come up with thoughtful questions to ask them. Like some people are shy. So like I had to drive the entire conversation and I need to be prepared for that. So <laughs> we did this and for all intents and purposes, it went well, uh, except it was completely unsustainable by me. I was positively exhausted. And so what we did was adapt it So that now I meet, I have one meeting a month with everyone who was hired in that month. And I have a set of questions I ask the group. It's a group meeting. And the way I've, we've only done two so far. My experience of both has been extremely positive uh, in that the team, the people who participated have been engaged, you know, answered questions, even had conversations with each other. And uh, so participation has been good we haven't measured it. So we haven't asked for their feedback yet. So I sort of hesitate to say it's a winning combination, but for me personally, it's been a dream because I have like, I'm talking eight hours back, uh, minimum in my month, uh, which of course is sorely needed. So that was something that I tried to make sure that I could get to know everyone (laughs) and kind of went too far and then dialed it back. And, uh, the first two have been Wonderful for me. And I'm looking forward to getting feedback from the team on whether it works for them.
1: Love that. Can you tell me a little bit about? I know you've only done two of these so far, but how do you ensure that everyone in that cohort actually, you know, feels comfortable, you know, speaking and you know, replying to things as opposed to in not just having the most extroverted people in that group meeting yeah. do most of the talking.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something we've talked about in our DEI um, committee is just like inclusivity of folks um, who have different comfort levels around communication. So, you know, introverts, different levels of introvert, um, an extrovert, et cetera. So, what I do is I have three questions that I ask folks. It's a, uh, so it start off with the type of question. So, it's what is a piece of content that you've consumed recently really that surprised you? I made the mistake of starting with that one and I think it's actually too hard for people to think of it um, off the bat. So I actually moved that to second. One of them was, why did you join Animals? Which seems self-serving, but actually just an opportunity for folks to tell their story. And there's a third one that I can't remember right now. So it's sort of like a mix of like related, questions that are related to our industry, but don't really put you on the spot. Personal story. I have everyone, I start by having everyone introduce themselves and very casually, I'm like, I don't give them like, you know, I'm just like, hey, tell me a little bit about your background. Like, how'd you get here or whatever? So that tends to spark some conversations because maybe someone, one person on the team came from a company that the other person knows, et cetera. Um, but really what I do to get people to engage after that with the questions is I do leave room for some uncomfortable silence because some people simply need more time to think. And, and if you try to fill every bit of space Um, That actually kind of excludes them. So I do try to leave some uncomfortable silence, but I also offer answers and I'm very informal on that call, like self-deprecating type, you know, stories, you know, I try to demonstrate my own humanity to let folks, to show folks it's okay to be human. It's okay to share So I try to lead the way by example as best I can with sharing my own stories. If initially folks don't seem super comfortable um, jumping in, Uh, and it really depends on the call. Like the first one, I think more people jumped in. The second one, I think I made more effort to share as a means of getting folks to participate, which worked.
1: I love to hear that. Shifting gears to a couple of what I'd consider lightning round questions. Sure. If you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about?
0: Great question. I've wanted to write a book my entire life. And the only thing that has stopped me is that I have absolutely no idea what I would write about. I do not know what, it would not be fiction. It would be nonfiction. Um, I used to tell stories live on stage, kind of Moth style. So I'm a really big fan of that, like first person narrative. Um, But I have yet to discover what I could contribute that's new and different and useful. And so um, I think if I were able to answer that question, I would be writing more right now. So that's TBD.
1: Got it. And what's one book you'd recommend that all leaders or kind of people who want to be in leadership roles should uh, read?
0: The Tao of Leadership.
1: Awesome. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on what you got out of that book?
0: Yes, I have read a great many books about running a business and leadership. Five dysfunctions of a team. The obstacle is the way, or the opportunity is the obstacle. Is it the obstacle is the way? I think it's another one. Tons, lots. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them around here. Um, but what I love about the Tao of Leadership is that it takes you like, look, I haven't been doing this very long. And certainly the bigger the company gets, the more practical my, you know, challenges become, but like being a leader is like very, it's kind of heart-wrenching. Like it's not, it, you'd be surprised at how many things it digs up inside you. And especially running a business that's a people business, like we're a service business. We are we are up to our ears and humans and emotions. And like, so I think that, like, what the Tao does is go back to first principles of behavior, beliefs, philosophy, and sort of trains you at a fundamental level. The answers to practical questions will come. Um, but learning to be in your company in a way that is supportive and inspiring and steady um is really hard and it changes and so that book really taught me the first principles of being a human leader I and mean, something I go back to all the time like there's they're like little vignettes and so it's like you know and I used it before I was CEO I used it when I was a director and it got me through some times when I had leadership doing things that didn't make sense. And I was confused, you know, and so it's like, it helped me sort of remain centered even when all around me was chaotic.
1: I love it. And I could continue this conversation for hours. Um, However, before we wrap up, where can listeners find you online?
0: Animals.co slash blog. Um, And if you're a human who wants to talk to me, uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Twitter, so feel free to connect and DM me. Um, I love sort of paying forward any career advice or help that I can. So feel free to reach out and ask for help. I'm also Devin at animals.co. So, um, feel free to shoot me an email. I'm happy to like, you know, talk to anyone, this, this career journey that we're all on is magical and scary and <laughs> Uh so and I've gotten a lot of help along the way, so I'm happy to pay it forward and pay it yeah. back.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being willing to join me on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive Podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.